Guys, I have to tell you something, and this is straight from the Word, okay? If you are in Christ, these are the best days of your life. I'm going to say that again, and I don't want you just to amen me because that sounded pretty good, Pastor Dave. No. I want you to let this sink in. If you are in Christ Jesus, all that has been given, all that has been laid before you, all that you are in Him, this makes it the best days of your life. Oh, but you don't know what's going on. Uh, if you are in Christ, this is the best day of your life. And guess what tomorrow is going to be? The best day of your life. And guess what the next day is going to be? Okay, over here we're getting it. It's tomorrow's going to be the what? Back there, tomorrow's going to be what? And the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that, till we die and go to heaven, then it gets better. Oh, my goodness. Mm. We start a new year, and I'm thankful Pastor Jim was able to share our first Sunday of 2020 last week. And, but I just, the Lord's kind of laid on my heart for myself, and so I'm just going to share with you all. Just a little bit moving along, skimming the Old Testament here, and moving into just a thought for today as we're beginning this new year, so to say. Um, Moses had been called by God to bring the people of Israel, God's, uh, God's people, out of Egypt. Anybody familiar with that story? And we see how God mightily showed up in both the big ways and in the what? The, the small ways. Many were crying out, we need water, we need food, and God would do it crazy. I mean, water out of rock, and, and suddenly manna just showing up, and those big ways would happen. But then the little ways happened too. In Deuteronomy, Moses reminds them that your footwear that was on your feet never wore out in 40 years. What do you think of that? Guess who did that? How many people sat around thinking, thank you, Jesus, my shoes aren't falling apart. See, that's little things we often miss, aren't they? Well, what should have been a, I don't know, I'm gonna, I've heard all sorts of estimates, but I'm going to estimate about a 17-day walk from Egypt to the Promised Land, even going the long way because God knew that if He took them the short way, there's robbers out there, and it's probably going to discourage them. So we're going to take them down the longer way and get them to the Promised Land in 17 days. Well, what we know is this. Many chose to uh, walk by sight and by their feelings. And other than those children that were on that trip, none of the adults ever made it to the promised land because for 40 years, those people walked in the wilderness. Now, many times we look at that and we go, oh, man, it must have been awful. Actually, no, it was good because God was with them. Forty years, not all that God had in store for them. And, and so, this 40 years had come and gone, and, and suddenly, right out there is the promised land. 
We can see it. There it is. But Moses will not be leading them in. Moses will not be leading them in, and so he prepares to share just before he dies his last uh, word to the people. And one of the things that he said that day in the book of Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, and you can turn there if you want, you don't have to because I'm going to be moving just a little kind of quick, but just hear me, that's more important to me that you hear me. If you want to jot down the references, great. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19, hear this. Moses said, this day, talking to all these people that had been up and down and all around, do we, are we happy with God? Are we going to build our own idols? Are we going to, what are we going to do? And God just continued to bless them. He also dealt with them. He disciplined them. But here they are, and there's the promised land. We're on the, on, on the cusp of the new. How many know that we're in a new year? Now, there is no time with God, but how many know... There's something new on the horizon. A couple people, others are like, oh, I like the old. No. How many know that God is doing something new? Well, if you don't, I'm telling you now, God is doing something new across our world. What is He doing? Hearts are being changed. Oh, but look at the U.S. Hey, sometimes we have to go through some serious hardship and pain before we get our eyes open. God's moving. We are on the cusp of something great and something new and something awesome. There's the promised land. Moses says this, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Moses said, here's the deal. I've set before you life and the blessings that come with it. I've also set before you death and the curse that comes with it. Who, who is it that has made all this possible? Well, the life comes from who? The death comes from the one who chooses not to follow for you, but then Moses, the giver of life. He says, I've laid these two things before you, but then Moses says, you know, hey, I'm going to give you the answer to this exam. Okay? Choose life. Choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to His voice, and hold fast to Him. For the Lord is your life, and He will give you many years in the land He swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Everybody sitting with an earshot of me right now, Moses still says, God's laid before you life and blessing. I say to you today, choose life. Choose life. In fact, as you choose life, it says, then you will be able to love the Father. What? Yes, as you choose life. Moses then dies. They move into the promised land. Does anybody remember, recall who led them into the promised land? Joshua. We have so much so, we have a whole book in the Bible devoted to Joshua. 
Joshua gets him into the promised land, kind of getting them situated. There's people there, though, that still, they have settled into God's great provision. The land flowing with what? Milk and honey. And yet they kept walking through life with their eyes and their feelings. So much so that they kind of did this. We're going to keep one foot on God, but we're also going to keep one foot on anything else that might make us feel better. And oftentimes what that amounted to back then were idols that they kept hidden under their bed coverings. Idols from other nations, other lowercase g gods. Oh, we saw how quickly they did it. Moses was gone for 15 days on that mountain, or however long, a month, and they suddenly got the, the high priest to build them an idol, a golden calf. One foot on God, one foot on whatever else made him happy. Well, it comes down to Joshua's about to die. So he speaks to the people. Joshua 24, verse 15 says this. Is everybody ready? If serving the Lord solves this day whom is desirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, which was essentially the local gods, local lowercase g gods of the area in, 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 where the, the promised land was, and whose land you are living. But then Joshua looks at them and says this, but as for me... And my household, we choose to serve the Lord. We choose today to serve the Lord. Now, you know what he was saying to these people? He wasn't saying, oh, you people have completely just turned your back on God 100%. You don't even pay attention. You never sing praises to Him. You never read the Torah. You never do any. He didn't say any of that. He was saying, here's the problem. You've got one leg you got one foot on Jehovah God, and you got one foot in any other God to make you happy. Any other idol that'll make you happy. Any other thing that'll make you happy. He said, look, guys, Joshua was very clear. You can't do that because it doesn't work. You must choose this day whom you will serve. You want to choose these? Guess what? I t Moses told you how many years ago? Life and blessing, death and curse. He said, you know what? You put yourself almost in default when you try to do this one side here and one side there. Choose. Because Joshua knew he would be wrong to let these people believe that this was okay. Choose today who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're serving Jehovah God, the giver of life and blessing. Amen? So we see Israel and then Judah 
All of them split. The two of them split, and we have these issues going on and these things happening. And so God starts sending prophets into the nation, and we have the greatest, one of the greatest prophets to the children of Israel, Elijah, coming up. And after watching this Israeli king and queen, Ahab, Jezebel, leading the nation into totally keeping Israel under this. And see, many times we think that Ahab and Jezebel were totally, totally keeping Israel from worshiping God. No, guys, they had church. Hear me. They had church. It was what was happening behind the scenes that was the problem. Oh, they went to church. They read from the Torah. They did all the motions, but their hearts were settled on that which made them feel good and what they thought was going to be better for them. For three years, God had Elijah declare there would be a famine in the land, no rain. And of course, Ahab looks at Elijah, the king Ahab, and says, you troubler of Israel. And Elijah's like, you call me a troubler? You're the one that has created trouble for Israel. Finally, Elijah says at the end of three years, okay, here we go. And he challenges the prophets of Baal, which was the local, quote-unquote, God of that area. 400 of them, as a matter of fact, in, in King Ahab, challenged them to a little duel. You guys get all day, you get built an altar, you get to, you know, as might, he might as well say, you get to pour gasoline and everything on it. And if just a spark of fire comes out, you win. But whoever's, whoever's sacrifice is accepted, that is the God that we must serve. And those of you know very well what took place in that, but what I love is when Elijah was sitting there watching these prophets dancing around. And, uh, and in fact, the King James says they were limping around. Limping. And that caught my attention to the fact when just a few verses prior in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, this is what Elijah said to the people. How long will you waver between two opinions, two choices? How long will you waver between two choices? Another word for that is how long will you how how long will you continue to limp along between your two choices? That's in the word. I'm going to tell you what folks, if you think you can have one foot on God and the other foot on whatever you think is okay for your life, you're going to spend it limping. You're going to spend it limping. I would be wrong to sit here and say, "Oh, you know, just as long as you get a little God in there." He said, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? Is God, if the Lord is God, follow Him. If Baal is God, follow Him. But make up your mind. Stop cheapening this thing. You're doing yourself no favors. And I love what it says, the people said nothing. We have been called
by followers of old to make a choice. Today I say to you, choose life. Today I say to you, choose who you will serve. But as for me and my house, I'm going to serve Jehovah God for He is mighty. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if you are bound to determine that this thing over here, your work, your job, your drug, your money, your life is God, then just keep following that. Because this halfway in between is not going to do anything. You know, these guys were doing everybody a favor because they were saying, we don't want you guys to be deceived and disillusioned that if you just get a little sticky note of God and put it on your chest, you'll be okay. Now, here we sit here today in America, land of the free, home of the brave. I thank God that we live here And in spite of what media and everything else and politicians want to say, I think the biggest downfall is we try to create Jesus to be more of an American way kind of Jesus. That's the only downfall I got with the U.S. We like Jesus just looking about a step above us as long as he blesses us like Santa Claus and keeps, the, uh, keeps our dreams and hopes alive. Great. If not, we'll take it from there because we are the land of the free and the home of the brave and we will take care of what we need to take care of. Folks, why did Israel struggle to make a choice? And why do we, oh, Dave, Pastor Dave, you're being hard now. No, I want us to be clear. I want us to be clear, all of us today. As we're starting this new year, I, I know this sounds so cliche, but I'm asking the Lord for 2020 vision. Because if I don't have his vision, where I'm in trouble because my eyes are all over everything else that's going on. I believe why folks in the Old Testament had such a hard time and why we have such a hard time is this. God is only as big as we are willing to be small. God is only as big as we are willing to be small. Now, I'm going to say something here. I'm going to ask a question, and I know what everybody's answer is going to be. How many know that God's a big and mighty God? Oh, yeah. How many know He's an awesome God? How many know He created the universe? He holds in His hand the earth, and yet He is aware when one sparrow falls to the to the ground. How many know that? Come on. How many know that today? Don't just be like, oh, no, do you know he's big or not? Now, let me ask you this then, uh, brothers and sisters. How many of your lives reflect that he's a big God? How many of your lives reflect that he is as big as you say out of your lips that he is? God is a small God a sticky note God, but we're not going to completely serve a small God. 
And that's what Joshua was saying. As for me and my house, we are going to serve a mighty, huge, awesome God who is far bigger than anything that we will ever encounter. I mean, why do we make God so small? Why does God become so small in our lives? Why? Why have we not allowed Him to grow? It's not because He's not big, because we all know He's big, right? My question to you is, is He big in your life? Is He big in who, in, in, in who you are? Why do so many of us, it, just, just look at me for a second, why are so many of us struggling to allow God to be big in our lives? Well, A, we judge God a lot. God, you're supposed to be fair. God, I wouldn't let that happen. God, oh, we live in a society today that really thinks that somehow we can convince God that He was wrong when He had those people write the Word down. We judge God a lot. We gripe and complain something fierce. You know that. We do our own thing. You know what one of the biggest sins right now in our lives, in this world is? Our busyness is a sin, folks. Oh, don't touch my schedule now. Our busyness has become sin because it's become a God. How many are run around by your calendar? Come on. How many are run around by your calendar? My brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they pulled out their phone the other day. They had four or five major transportation things going on every day in their calendar due to sports for their kids, due to school functions, due to work-related stuff. You say, oh, come on. Hey, I'm not cracking those individual things. I'm, I'm saying, look what it's become in our lives. Who's hearing me? You say, oh, you're being rough. No, I'm being 2020 vision here. I'm not going to make it to the end of the year doing things the way we normally are told we can do things. Many times we, we, we give very little time to the Lord. You say, oh, I have, such, I have such great plans to get up in the morning for a half hour before I go off to work, and then I just can't get up, or I, something else happens, or the kids are up, and, you know, hey, no one's telling you to carve out, you know, one hour and stick it in there exclusively. He just wants to know you are there and you acknowledge Him throughout the day. But there's more to that than just, good morning, God, good night, God. Many of us have bought into this secular myth out there that, uh, suddenly our very knowledgeable folks in the last about 80 years have decided they know better than the last 3,000 years about Scripture and theology. How did in 80 years these guys become so brilliant? I'm asking you a question, folks. How did they become so brilliant that these other folks, well, they don't have technology. Uh, last time I checked, technology doesn't necessarily make us brilliant. It makes us stressed out. Henceforth, the sound system wouldn't work this morning. Couldn't get the copier working this morning. Internet wouldn't come on while I'm trying to find the verse I'm looking for that I should have had last night. How many of you are more stressed out by, by the fact that your phone won't work right? 
I know people who have absolute funerals when their phone breaks. The point is, if you'd like to come up here and see how broken mine is, my kids all the time, can I put this app? Can I put that app? No. No, and I'm being sincere. No. I know why I, and I'm, why I'm telling them, because I'll play them then. I'm no dummy. I don't even have my browser on here. Or I'd be sitting around looking up every stupid fact there is. Come on. I know I'm being a little facetious, but you know where I'm going. Another reason God is so small is we're so, we, we think we know it all. How many of us, please be honest, are we not the body of believers? How many perfectionists do we have in here? Come on. Oh, really? Some of you are so perfectionists, you won't even tell us, huh? They won't think we're perfect then. How many perfectionists do we have? There's half your problem. You want to know why? Because my guess is you're also a control freak then. Hey, we should all stand up. Hi, my name is Kim. I am a recovering control freak. Folks, anxiety and fear, that's running amok. And you know what it really is? It's out of control now. And all sorts of reasons we could go into, and there's no reason to go into why. It's just we live, I, I, I do believe it has a lot to do with our schedules. I'm just going to be honest with you. You say, no, but there's things happening in the world. Really? Uh, many years ago, decades ago, there was a little thing called World War II that consumed the whole, the whole world. And I feel like those folks dealt with life a little better. Whether they agreed with war or not, they dealt with life a lot better than we are. Are we really going to the Lord in prayer? Are we just praying and then trying to figure it out the rest of the way on our own, thinking, well, I did it this way the last time, or I'll lean on this person, or I'll do it this? Did we seek the Lord in prayer? Many times, too, we're waiting for miracles. How many believe God's in the miracle business? But how many of us at times have probably come up with a very specific miracle how it should look, how it should be, how it will be, because I know God would do it this way because this is the way I want it done. And then what doesn't go down, what happens to you? You go down. And I'm told, isn't it interesting? How many would agree? Just help me. And I'm totally about God doing mighty, 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 mighty moves. Amen. My goodness, he can do the impossible. Amen? He created, he can do it all. He can do the impossible. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. But I'm going to say something to you. How many of you would say we miss many miracles that are happening around us every day because we're looking for that miracle? And when that miracle doesn't happen, we're going, where's God? You hearing me? Hey, I'm not trying, I'm not, I'm, I'm, Believe it or not, this list comes out of guess whose heart. Because guess who's guilty of every one of the things I'm talking about? All I want to know is there's brothers and sisters that are joining me in this, in this thing here, you know? Many of us have 
uh, so many, we know, we have blessed assurance. How many have blessed assurance that Jesus is ours? But how many can honestly say, you know everything about God? There are many times we live as though we do, and therefore then we get angry when He doesn't do what we think or doesn't act the way He should. Hold up. He loves me. He loves you. He gave His only Son for me. But His thoughts are bigger than my thoughts. His ways are bigger than my ways. But we have the mind of Christ, absolutely, and that mind is to set us forth in following Him, but whose will is utter uh, at the top of the list, His, God's. And we're ever saying, Lord, we want to know Your will. So, Your Word is a lamp unto our path. You're not showing us the whole marathon. It's just one step at a time. I'm learning to know you. I'm growing in you. I'm getting to know you more. You are my friend. You are my best friend. You are my my Lord, my God. Thank you. But there is so much more that I don't know about you. But the more I open myself to you, the more you know me and I know you. And it continues lifelong. But many times if we think we have already known God and then base our experience on that, we create problems for ourselves. And suddenly God becomes small. This is another one. What, what, what makes God so small when we're people pleasers? And what's wrong with a people pleaser? A people pleaser makes people bigger than God. Anybody ever been around where people were, uh, the, the person that bothered you, was big, you made that person bigger than God? Come on. Somehow that person, I'm out of my head. That, why? Because they're impacting me so much. I can't get them out of my head. They bother me so much. Somehow they're bigger than God. Anybody guilty of that along with me? Another way we make God so small is when we judge others. You know what judging bottom line is? You're playing God. Now, if God has already spoken truth, we stand on that. Amen? You let him speak the truth, and you speak his truth in love. Amen? Amen? But you don't come up with it on your own. And I think the last one, which is very sad, many times we make God small because we think our sins are too big. What we've done in our past, how we have failed, how we failed yesterday as if God is not big enough to show His grace in a way we could never imagine. See, today is not, is not for us to go, oh, man. No, today is to say this. Let's recognize if we have been making God too small in our lives. And let's just start saying, as for me and my house, I choose to serve a great, big awesome, mighty God. Amen? As for me and my house, there is no circumstance. Look at me, please. There is no circumstance in your life that God better be smaller than. There is no schedule or stress in your life that God better be smaller than. Amen? 
There is no amount of hurt. There is no amount of frustration. There is no amount of anything going on on the media, on the news. Hey, I declared yet another fast from the news. This dumb impeachment thing got me all looking at news again. You'd think I'd learn. How many times have I confessed to y'all, I'm taking a fast from the media? I had fasted from media, and then along comes impeachment, and I'm like, I-M-P-E-A-C-H-M-E-N-T. Oops. And after three weeks of news, guess what? I'm ready to walk out the door and ring necks and everything else, and I just, I blah, 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 blah. No. Because you know what? God is bigger than the news. God, God is bigger than this. God is bigger than politicians. God is bigger than government. God is bigger than this nation. God is bigger than the hurt that people try to inflict out of their own brokenness. God is bigger than anything that the enemy wants to throw at me. God is bigger. In fact, I'm going to tell you what. God is as big when it comes to the enemy. God is as big as you declare the bigness of Satan's authority over you. And how many right now would say, Oh, but Satan has so much authority over me. Then stop even giving him audience about anything. God, you already know what's happening in the name of Jesus. Be gone. In Jesus' name. I'm going to do this for, I'm going to do this for, uh, <laughs> I was going to share this with Board Retreat Day, but I'm going to do this for Frankie. Uh, Frankie has to do a biography on a, just a person of the faith and, well, doing John Wesley, right? <laughs> John Wesley, great evangelist. Unbelievable evangelist. Had a heart that just wanted to see people know the Lord back in the 1700s. Spearheaded the great, the first great awakening. You want to hear his, his diary? Let me give you a few journal entries from his diary. And uh, I want you to understand, John Wesley chose that as for he and his house, he would serve a mighty big God. So that whatever God sent him to do, it wasn't about, can I do it? It is, I will be doing it because God sent me there. Regardless of what people had to say, people were not bigger. Sunday, May 5th, I preached in St. Anne's. I was asked not to come back anymore. (laughs) Sunday evening, I preached at St. John's. The deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday a.m., May 12th, I preached in St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday a.m., May 19th, I preached in another church. Deacons called a special meeting and said, you're not to come back. Sunday p.m., May 19th, I, got pre- I preached on the street and I got kicked off the street. Sunday a.m., May 26th, I preached in a meadow. I got chased out of a meadow when somebody turned a bull loose on me. Sunday a.m., June. Now, how many of you out at the edge of town and I got kicked off the highway? Now, how many at this point would be going, God must have been wrong? There's just no way. 
God is just a little too small for them. Sunday p.m., June 2nd, afternoon, I preached in a pasture and 10,000 people came out to hear. I think probably the biggest vision I have regarding myself this year in this role is I no longer, I'm challenging you to no longer, if you have, I'm just challenging you, I am on the same level ground at the foot of the cross as the rest of you. We are the body of believers, Jesus is the head. We are the body, we are the congregants, Jesus is the lead pastor of this church. Amen? And so what I do know is this, that what he calls each and every one of you to, the rest of us go along with you. If you've been called to minister down wherever, we're part of that body, we stand with you. If you're walking through a difficult moment, but you're trusting wholeheartedly in the Lord and we're standing with you, or, and we know that, then we're with you. It's affecting us too because we're part of the body. What one in the body experiences, we all experience. And what am I trying to get at is I'm trying to reposition for all of us. Where is God? He is big. He's bigger than anything we have encountered. I look across here, every one of you who have walked through a road this year, how big was God? Denise, Ralph, Sandra, Frankie, Pat, Barbara. I'm just thinking of things that have just come to mind, where loss of loved ones, sickness, illness. Has God failed any one of you yet? Because He's far bigger than everything you've encountered. Amen? You know, oh, but it was tough. Yeah, but that's the danger. If that's what our eyes are on, the toughness, then guess what? We're apt to run over and put our foot over here with something that makes ourselves feel good. And that's when uh, Elijah says, how long are you going to limp between two opinions here, two choices? Choose God Almighty. Amen? Blessing. According to Moses, what was laid before us? Life and blessing. Death and cursing. But I say to you this day... Choose life. For as me and my house, as for me and my house, we're going to serve Jehovah God. Amen? We choose today to follow God because He's a big God and ain't no one going to tell me otherwise. Amen? Can anyone give praise to a big God today? Amen. Let's just stand right where we are and... uh, I want you to, can you cross the aisles or get hands with somebody around? Let's just make sure everybody's connected. And I'll tell you what, Mother, can you just connect with somebody too? You don't need to play. Like, grab Cherie. She looks lonely. There you go. Just connect. Everybody just, Dad, just come on down here. We're just not, not going to use music. Just connect. I want everybody connected. Everybody connected. Everybody connected. God, we are the body, and we give you glory and honor today. 
Lord, what one of us goes through in terms of uh, as you lead and guide and uh, as, as, Lord, we stand together on that. As, and, and we can't, can't do it in our own strength, Lord. But we trust you fully. So I want to ask you right now, Lord Jesus, and thank you, Lord, for once again opening our eyes to how deep and how wide and how high and how long is the love of Almighty God. You are so big and mighty. We choose you today. As White Hill Church, we do not choose the things of mankind. We choose Jehovah God in Jesus' name. We commit ourselves to you, Lord. We thank you for this year. We thank you for all that you accomplished in 2019. But, Lord, we thank you for it lies ahead, Lord, in each life here. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name for accomplishing mighty things through your people. I am so glad what you're about to do through Helen Cash. Because not only will you do that through her, you're going to get the glory. It's going to be blessing to her. And because she's a part of this body, blessing to us. We are doing right now. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name for what you are doing right now in Gail Earhart. In Jesus' name, what you do in her is going to impact the rest of us and give you all the glory. Hallelujah. For every one of us standing here today, here we are. We serve an awesome God. And I know you guys can declare it with me if you feel so led as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. And let's talk about it for this house, too. As for us and this house, we will serve the Lord in Jesus' name. To God be the glory. Can we give one more shout of praise to God today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. Tell him now, church. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art.